This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hey, hey, I'm Brittany Luce, and you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, a show where we talk about what's going on in our culture and why it doesn't happen by accident. Later this week, millions of Americans will celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a time when a lot of us will reflect on the things and the people in our lives that we appreciate. And my guest today is someone I'm really grateful for. Dr. Lori Santos, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I mean, first of all, gotta say, longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> I have been listening to the Happiness Lab for years. Your podcast sometimes has just kept me from the brink. Lori is a psychology professor at Yale, and her podcast, The Happiness Lab, is full of tips on how to be happier, all of which are backed by psychology. And Lori says one emotion we should pay more attention to is actually gratitude. Now, I am someone who has a gratitude journal, so I'm already aboard the gratitude train. But in our very individualistic culture, one that does not prioritize this feeling except around this time of year, gratitude can be harder to access. So I sat down with her to hear how and why we should use gratitude to feel better year round and not just the third Thursday of November. So before we get into gratitude, for our listeners who might not know, how did you find yourself starting the Happiness Lab? Like, what was happening that made you realize, like, you got to make this. We need this. Yeah, well, the origin of my interest in studying the science of happiness broadly was when I took on a new role at Yale. I'm a professor here at Yale, but at the time I was also serving as a head of college on campus, which meant I was a faculty member who lived with students on campus. And mm. I was seeing their mental health crisis. This is this is pre-COVID. This is like in oh, 2018. Wow. And, you know, so many students were reporting feeling depressed and anxious. And I think at the time I wasn't very happy either. You know, mm. I'd, I'd hear them talk about certain things and realize like, oh, I'm also not thinking about things in the right way. You know, just an example, I'd see a student be like, hey, how's it going this week? And the student be like, oh, if I could just get to the weekend or if I could just fast forward and get to spring break. And part of me was like, oh, man, you don't want to fast forward your entire college career. It's such a precious time. Mm. But then a bigger part of me was like, yeah, oh, my goodness, if we could just get to spring break <laughs> and fast forward. And so I thought, you know, I'm a psychologist. I know the kinds of things we can do to improve our mental health. Maybe I should develop a class for students to teach them all these evidence-based strategies they could use to feel better. The class, the first time I taught it, became Yale's largest class in over 300 years. A quarter of the entire student body signed up for the class. And so that sort of made wow. me realize that... The, I'm sorry, that is a lot of It was people. a lot of people. There were lots of logistical, you know, issues. Yeah, with, I was you know, like, where do you teach them? Yeah, like in a, a in concert a hall. Turns out concert yeah. hall. Stadium's too cold, oh, wow. you know, in January. But yeah, Perfect. it really hit a nerve on campus. But what was interesting is that it also hit a nerve off campus, right? You know, a number of news outlets heard, you know, that the biggest class at Yale was this class about happiness. And, you know, the reaction was sort of like, okay, that's great for Yale students. But what about the rest of us who need these mm. strategies? Too. And so that was when I started to realize that, you know, people needed this content. Coming up, how gratitude makes us more generous to others and ourselves. Stick around. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. 
Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. Gratitude is on a lot of our minds because Thanksgiving. Now, often a tradition that's part of Thanksgiving is sharing or reflecting on what it is that we're grateful for. My family actually every year at Thanksgiving, no matter how many or how few people we have, and sometimes I had a big family, so sometimes it could be like 25, 30 people, everybody goes around and shares what they're thankful for. I don't think there's any other moment in American culture or any other tradition in American culture, where we are prompted to consider gratitude for even those who don't celebrate Thanksgiving, because not everybody does. What makes gratitude such an important practice? Yeah, so it has a couple of interesting benefits. One is it's just a, a practice that feels good. So gratitude in and of itself is an emotion, right? You know, when you realize mm. you're grateful, when you realize there's so many good things in your life, that feels really good. But gratitude has all these other benefits that we don't realize. It's this pro-social emotion that's and, – and pro-social emotions are ones where we start to think about other people rather than ourselves. They're emotions that make us want to do good out there in the world. David DeSteno, who's a social psychologist, he's found evidence that when you think about things that you're grateful for, if you mm-hmm. happen to walk out of that experiment and somebody is having a you know slightly faked in our psychologist way emergency, you'll step in and you'll help that person who's having an emergency. So you're more Mm. likely to physically help out in the world when you've experienced gratitude. But an even cooler thing about gratitude is that gratitude makes us want to help our future self, right? It causes us Mm. to want to invest in our future happiness. Because again, it feels like the cup overfloweth for me right now. I could, you know, put some work into helping out future me. Like paying it forward for yourself even. Paying it forward for yourself. And, And you see that in a couple different domains, right? One is that when people experience more gratitude, they eat healthier, right? Because it's kind of like you don't need that treat now. You'll kind of, you know, eat a little healthier for your future self. And when people experience more gratitude, they're more likely to save for the future. It's kind of, again, I don't need that immediate reward financially right now because, you know, again, my cup overfloweth. I'm cool. I got to see that one play it out in my own life. I haven't seen that one yet. (laughs) I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. 
yeah. So, so I think there are these benefits for us in terms of gratitude. But, but a huge benefit of gratitude is that, especially when we express gratitude, it can really increase our relationship happiness. Couples who self-report being grateful to one another wind up being happier in their marriages and so on. And there's lots of evidence that the act of intentionally remembering what you're thankful for in your other relationships, just like, you know, in your family as a parent, as a child, as a friend, Mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that can increase our relationship bonds. Professor Sarah Aljo is a professor at the University of North Carolina. She has what she calls the find, remind, and bind theory. And so the idea is when we find good things about people, I find all these blessings about my relationship with you, say, Mm -hmm. that reminds me like, oh my gosh, I love this person. I have such a strong relationship with this person. And then that causes certain actions where we bind. Right. So I think about, you know, this this friend I haven't talked to in a long time. And I'm like, man, she's so funny. She's so good to me. She's taken care of me in tough times. I'm really grateful for her. I find those things. I feel really bound to her. And what do I do? I'm like, you know, I'm going to text her or I'm going to call her or I'm going to do something nice to her. Right. You engage in these behaviors that build that relationship up. And so this is one of the reasons I love gratitude so much, you know, around the Thanksgiving dinner table, because, again, I'm not sure about your family, but a lot of families out there are a little complicated. Right. You know, we don't always feel like those relationships are as close as they can be. And just Mm -hmm. engaging with gratitude, not just about the random things, but about the people around us can really make us feel closer. Hmm. Mm, even just you talking about it actually kind of like spreads warmth throughout. <laughs> when you put it that way, it makes me think of something that I noticed that my husband does. He always thanks me for doing normal stuff. So like if I got him a glass of water or if I uh, did the laundry, you know, just things like around the house that normally, you know, everybody's supposed to do. And that honestly, a lot of the time he's doing more of. But <laughs> I noticed it was so nice because it made me feel... Like he had noticed my effort to do something to be thoughtful or noticed my effort just to like... You feel seen. Not even be thoughtful, but just to be considerate. Yeah. And even just that act of noticing really had such an impact on me. And it's something that I have made a point of doing for him as well all of the time. So, I mean, I'm sure if somebody were to observe, they'd be like, are you really just thanking each other constantly for like doing everyday stuff. But it's it's nice. But it it's works. nice to feel like somebody notices. And mm-hmm. I think the noticing is part of it too. And this is another kind of almost, honestly psychologically a little strange thing about gratitude, which is that mm-hmm. we don't really get used to it as much as we think. So so most good things in life are subject to what's called hedonic adaptation. We get used to it, right? You know, so if you won the lottery today and won the lottery again tomorrow and won the lottery again this weekend, like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you'd be like, all right, I'm bored with the money, right? You know, if you eat the same kind of, you know, flavor of ice cream cone over and over and over even if it's delicious at first you get bored but gratitude doesn't seem to work that way you know a compliment Hmm. that you're given on day one if you get a new compliment on day two if you're thanked on day three it tends to sort of have the same kind of happiness impact over time. And that's awesome because it means that like, you know, you're not, even though you said like, we, you know, we just go around thanking each other, you don't actually get sick of it. It still has the same kind of happiness impact and the same relationship building impact. And that's relationships, you know, with our, our spouses and our partners. There's also lots of evidence that gratitude in the workplace can be incredible for people's performance. One study by the psychologist Adam Grant looked at this. He actually tested individuals who had a kind of thinkless job, university fundraiser callers. So these are like the students at your old oh, college yeah, who call who you for like money. You know, total, yeah. just hang up on them, total thankless <laughs> yeah. task, right? So he wanted to know, okay, what are the kinds of things that would improve their performance? You know, get them to make more calls, maybe make more money. You know, you think throw a pizza party or, do you know, all these things. But he just said, what about gratitude? 
And so what he did was he had the, you know, the big boss at the university show up and genuinely thank half of these fundraisers. So you come in, you say, look, you know, we're really grateful for what you do because you do this stuff. So it's just a, a like sincere expression of gratitude. What he finds is that those callers increase their rate of success. They increase the number of calls they make. Huh. This is powerful, right? Like so many of us have jobs where we work on teams, where we work with other people. And yeah. the sad thing is I think a lot of times we are grateful for what those people do. You know, thinking back to my happiness team, I have, you know, technology directors who help me and I have my students and I, and I love all of them. You know, today I could list on my hand, like, gosh, they did this for me today and they came up with this cool idea and so on. Yeah. But we don't often say it. And that's kind of sad, right? We're missing out on these benefits when we don't express that we're really grateful for other people. That is such a good point. Like sometimes at the end of the day, my husband and I will both kind of like report nice things that we saw somebody else do or something. It's something they did for us or even just something that we're like appreciating about somebody else. Those nice things or those things that you appreciate don't always get back to somebody. You might not share it. Yeah. Even if you feel that appreciation. And 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 one thing I think we can do to remedy that is to remember that like we haven't missed our opportunity, right? You know, if Friday you're having that conversation with your husband and you're like, you know, so-and-so at work, NPR, they did this awesome thing. And you realize, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't actually tell that person that. When you get in on Monday, you can say, you know, I was actually thinking all weekend about how nice it was that you did X, Y, and Z. Thank you so much. And like, I think in our brains, we think it'll be awkward if we're like, remember two weeks ago, you did this thing for me. Thank you. The, the person will be like, well, that's weird that you're bringing up. But but no one ever thinks that. People only think like, oh my gosh, that was so sweet that you thought about me for that long. Hmm. And so, you know, the remedy for kind of missing out on sharing what you're grateful for, especially if you're grateful for somebody else, is like, just tell them there's no kind of expiration date on. It. You can actually share it whenever you notice it and feel it. Hmm. I do feel like, though, in the everyday sense, modern life, the entire 2020s decade so far, speaking for myself personally, I feel like sometimes the times we're in now have made at times gratitude harder for me to reach. Totally. Yep. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Do you have any tips on how to locate and amplify gratitude, especially during tough times? Yeah. Well, I think one thing to remember is another thing we get wrong is just this idea that positive and negative emotions are on a continuum. We can at the same time experience a lot of positive emotion and negative emotion. You know, this is why we can experience things like a moment that feels bittersweet, where it has the bitter part and the sweet part. And I think this has helped me with experiencing a little bit more gratitude. It's to recognize that when I'm grateful for the people around the table, where I'm grateful for this meal, when I'm grateful and just noticing and savoring, you know, the smell of my coffee, that doesn't negate the true anger I might feel about what's going on in the world or the true mm. fear I might feel about what's happening you know, with the climate or the economy or something else. We mm. can hold those moments at the same time. And I think that's really critical because, you know, sometimes, you know, it would be sad if the terrible events of the world made us not appreciate what we had around us. And sometimes that moment of gratitude is the sort of thing that's going to help us get through the tough times, right? If we want to buffer ourselves and experience resilience to kind of get through all the nasty stuff that's out there, we need some positive emotion to help us out. And gratitude is, is the kind of thing that you can go for just by noticing, really intentionally paying attention to the good things. And, and I think mm. so many of us kind of notice that during the pandemic. I, I don't know about you, but I found myself having these moments where I savored tinier things in the midst of that. It takes a little bit of intention and effort. But if you put in that intention and effort, you will wind up feeling a lot better. Hmm, 
oh my gosh, you're just making me recall all these moments that I feel so grateful for. I have a young niece and she used to live in New York until recently and she was very small. She was like a toddler during, you know, lockdown. And I remember like the first time we could really hug, she squeezed me so hard and it felt so nice. It was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it was, it was like finding, it was like an oasis in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Thinking about gratitude, we live in a highly individualistic culture, and gratitude requires the acknowledgement of how we're all helping each other, that we don't do it all alone. What would it look like for us to have gratitude as a societal value, or at least one that's more present in our society than it currently is? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I sometimes like to think of gratitude as something that people in public health should be pushing more Right. I mean, I just mentioned that gratitude will allow you to save more. It'll let you eat healthier. It'll let you form better relationships. Right. It can make you feel less lonely because you feel more bound to the people around you. And so I actually think we should be almost prescribing gratitude for people. Again, it sounds so cheesy, but when you start to realize that it has this whole host of benefits, it means we're going to be feeling more connected to people. It's a really, really powerful tool that I think we're not using enough. Thank you so much, Lori. This was a great conversation. Thanks. I'm good. See, you're already expressing gratitude, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Dr. Lori Santos, psychology professor at Yale and host of The Happiness Lab, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Liam McBain. Our editor is Jessica Plachek. Our executive producer is Verilyn Williams. Our VP of Programming is Yolanda Sanguini. Our Senior VP of Programming is Anya Grundman. All right. That's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.